Captain! Signature's detected. Shield up. Welcome to the Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm coming at you live from Wisconsin. This is a remote. Yeah. It's a remote for me. You are. You look like you're in a in a closet or something. Is that is that what I, I'm looking at? I am. You guessed right. <laughs> here's a here's a tip for all of the traveling podcasters out there. Yeah. Uh, I found hotel recording not great for yeah. all the reasons that you could probably guess. Right, proximity to elevators and doors and other people slamming their doors and whatnot. You get yourself an Airbnb. Guess what houses have? They've got closets. Closets are good for acoustics. And if you if you hang up your clothes in those closets, you get a nice little booth, and that's where I'm at right now. I feel like hotels are full of those doors that have the hydraulic thing that sh- slams them shut automatically, yeah. and it's probably a fire safety thing, but those doors, they're like ultra, ultra heavy, and they also have like a, an arm pushing them closed as hard as possible every time they shut. Why even have the hydraulics if that's how it's going to be? It sucks. Like, it's why like... can't we export the quiet closing toilet seat technology right. to the door technology? Yeah. Whatever it is in like rich people's houses where the when you push the the utensil right. drawer closed and, and that last three inches it slows down and glides to a finish. Put that on the hotel room doors. <laughs> I want my doors to close like toilets more often, Ben. And I've been hearing a lot of toilets close lately. Uh, this is, I think, day four of being in the Midwest <laughs> for me. And uh-huh. I'm really taking it on the stomach right now <laughs> as far as my consumption goes. It's just been multiple sausages per day. That's the dream. And then just like as many beers as I can drink on top of that. I feel like if hotel doors were like toilets is probably going to be the name of an episode in season four of Discovery. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm recording in a compromised state, obviously, because yeah. Wisconsin is a compromised state, but mm-hmm. so am I. And uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot better. I might be the only one who's feeling sick at the moment, and it's kind of a relief, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing. Um what uh, a week in bed will do for a man. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm back to normal. Hey, you know how on last week's episode I said I didn't have COVID? Uh-huh. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I fully had a breakthrough case of COVID-19, Adam. God damn it. I really sprayed the inside of this closet with... <laughs> yeah, you're not getting your security deposit back. From your uh, Verbo or whatever. <laughs> I, Why uh, are we calling it Verbo also? Am I supposed to call this Airbnb? Yeah, it's it's Airbnb now. and That's uh, dumb as hell. Well, Verbo makes the rules, so you just have to go with what they say. Verbo has the upper hand now. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the house? What's in the vacation house? That's so terrible, dude. So are, how are... What are you, symptomatic? What's happening? I'm basically all the way back. It was maybe six days of symptoms. I didn't even get a, I didn't get a fever. Like the only COVID specific symptom that I got was 
anosmia, loss of smell, mm. which uh, did not happen for the first several days. And then I just like, I was like petting my dog and I did that thing where I like buried my nose in the side of his body. And I was like, hmm, either he just got a bath or something is wrong. Oh no. <laughs> and uh, I have like some at-home rapid tests and I mm-hmm. had taken one when I first came down with what I thought was a cold and mm-hmm. tested negative. But then I took another one when I lost my sense of smell and that one came back positive. And now I've been doing PCR tests like every day or two just to oh, kind of keep an eye on things. But um, I've been fortunate that I haven't like had to cancel anything yet. And I've been basically okay. And I've been isolated. So it actually got me out of a couple of like family obligations I didn't want to do. So that was nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so what you're saying is covid Positive in a couple of ways. <laughs> yeah. Your mileage may vary, but uh, my experience has been, I, I feel very lucky to say, uh, relatively easy. This has got me so nervous for touring and also like the trip that I'm on right now because I brought some tests with me. I bought some from a drugstore because our failed state of a country <laughs> does not provide COVID tests for free like any other functional government. So I I spent almost $100 on a grip of these and then I brought a bunch of them out. And like, what happens if I test uh, the night before I, I travel home? I guess I got to stay out here, right? Yeah, you're stuck. You got to live Wisconsinly at that point. You know what? I would do it. It's pretty great out here. <laughs> you just, I could start uh, a new life. You just take out a, a room in Plevim's house. Yeah. You know what? That's the jam. I was like, I can't afford to stay out here an extra week, but you know who could afford to put me up? Plavim. <laughs> Divert some of that early greatest gen P1 money into a uh, life raft for Adam Pranica. Yeah. How's it? Did you see Plavim? I, I, I knew you were thinking about uh, hooking up with Plavim while you were there. I sent a message to both Raz and Plavim before my trip, checking in with them to see how they're doing. They're doing great. Plavim was having some people out to his property this weekend for some party hangs. And I'm just, I'm like 90 minutes away in Appleton. Yeah. And I'm also with family. So it would have been a pretty tough suggestion to... (laughs) Hey, I'm going to go do a different thing. (laughs) I'm going to go do a different thing. And it's going to be like most of the day and probably the night. And like... That's a tough spot to be in. And I yeah. and when, the next time we hang out with Raz and Pulveen, we'll hopefully be in Milwaukee tour stop where we can we can spend some time with them yeah. and do it right. They better bring a fucking four-seat bike to that, that next show in the Midwest, right? Yeah, so fingers crossed we can stick to the plan as we have it sketched out for next year, which, yeah. which hopefully includes a Milwaukee stop. Well, now that I've had two vaccine doses and a breakthrough case, I feel like I've got all of the antibodies I'm ever going to need. <laughs> You're full of strange energies, Ben. I know. Uh, someone just needs to kick you in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. I have never barfed a rainbow before, but I look forward to it. Well, the next time I see you, I will smash those nuts. <laughs> so your only symptoms then are uh, are not smelling and not tasting? That's it? Yeah. This is the first time in my life I've not smelled, Adam. So you can't even taste all the dicks, huh? Yeah. No, can't taste them. What a bummer. Uh, it'll come back. It, it it seems to be a thing that lingers for a couple of days and then comes back for most people. So I'm not worried. Wow. Well, we've got some plans and I hope we can stick to them. But as for today, 
the plan on the table is the seventh episode of Lower Decks. It's a title I couldn't quite figure out. Uh, Is this a literary reference that you understand? Oh, it's a Shakespeare reference, Adam. Of course it's a Shakespeare reference, Ben. Uh, It couldn't possibly be anything else on a Star Trek episode. I found an article on Oxford Handbooks online that's titled Straying Lower Where the Pleasant Fountains Lie, colon, Cunnilingus in Venus and Adonis and in English Culture. (laughs) Oh, so I thought it would just be a regular-ass Shakespeare reference, but it's a sexy Shakespeare reference. Yeah, it's a Shakespeare reference about chowing on box. Oh, this is great. This is my favorite title then. Yeah, so far so good. (laughs) Let's get into it. You're not tasting any of that though, Ben. Oh, I'm tasting. It's Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 7, where pleasant fountains lie. So uh, we start, the Cerritos has uh, stopped at a planet that uh, has been at war for 100 years due to a uh, an evil computer that tricked them into going to war with each other. It seems like they may have accidentally also treated this computer as an object of worship at one point. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to worship your computer. No. That's for sure. The computer tricked the inhabitants of this planet into fighting each other, much like a Facebook style (laughs) bit of programming, it sounds like. Yeah, it's a concern troll. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, uh, what it did is it it surfaced all of the stuff to uh, increase engagement, right. even if all of that stuff was, was specious and bullshit. Yeah, and uh, R- uh, Ransom wheels this thing up on a cart and uh, is nearly tricked into plugging it back into their computer mainframe. Uh, this computer, Adam, a very famous Star Trek voice. Hey, now! Yeah, if you can't spot Jeffrey Combs in the first five minutes of a Star Trek episode... Chances are you are Jeffrey Combs, Ben. (laughs) Such is his greatness. He could be anyone at any time. Yeah. Definitely taking some design cues with this computer from uh, Hal from uh, 2001, right? Yeah, and just a great spin on a Jeffrey Combs-style voice. Like, a little bit of brunt seasoning in there, (laughs) a little bit of many characters we've enjoyed of his over the years. Yeah. Uh, just a great performance throughout this episode, I thought. Do you think he like uh, took like a empty waste paper basket from the corner of the office and just put it over his head to, to lay down this audio? Oh, yeah. How just could get, you not? That's all you need. You don't quality. need to use the software. No, fuck that. If he's in an Airbnb, you just use what's around you. An in-camera special effect, we call it. Yeah. <laughs> we learn right away just how manipulative uh, Agamus is. He clocks Ransom's deal right away and, like, plays into his vanity. What beautiful skin you have. So fine. So smooth. Oh, 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 you almost got me. And it suggests a ongoing problem for anyone who's going to be around this computer box. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricksy computer. Back in orbit, a, a hail comes through for uh, Captain Freeman, and it's Queen Polana. This is Chief Engineer Billups' mom, Adam. Yeah. She's a queen. He's a prince. Hello, He abdicated his title. You know what's great about the casting here is that Billups is played by Paul Shear and his mom is played by his wife. <laughs> that must have been a fun day at the office. Hey, honey. Yeah. 
I wonder how much of this season was recorded at home, and if there are any scenes like this between them, yeah. if they were recorded uh, in the same room, like playing wondered, off of each other. I wondered the same. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that from uh, their work on how did this get made, they have at-home recording facilities, and why wouldn't you just lay this down at home? I don't listen to that show, so I'm not very familiar with June Diane Raphael's work. But uh, she does great on this episode. She sure does. She's been in a ton of stuff, too. Yeah, and I just am really chuffed to see one more Los Angeles-based podcaster get checked off the long list that they're working their way through on their way to us. It is great (laughs) news for us every time. (laughs) Pretty much every episode, one one more goes down. And, uh, and, you know, like three or four hundred episodes from now, I feel like we could really really be in the running. All we have to get is six seasons in a movie, <laughs> and then it'll be our time. Yeah, yeah. That that uh, that seventh season where it really takes a nosedive quality-wise, it's like, hey, yeah, why not? We'll get you in here yeah. for one. <laughs> yep. After the theme, we're uh, in the bunk area with our core four characters, and uh, we find Boimler polishing his phaser rifle, which is something that... Uh, he usually saves for his time in the sonic shower to do. Yeah. When no one is around. <laughs> or he or he pulls the curtain closed on his bunk <laughs> and tries to tries to make as little noise as possible. It's kind of amazing we've never seen a closed curtain bunk yet on this show. I'd be closing the shit out of that curtain. I don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah, you don't want to be around for this conversation. They're talking about the mission ahead. Really, the episode ahead is what they're talking about. And it sounds like Boims is on giant centipede duty, and he's stoked about it. But uh, he gets a message in the middle of this scene that gives him some bad news. And that news is that he and Mariner are going to be taking the computer box from the cold open uh, all the way back to Earth. But... That's what you're doing. Uh, sorry, ma'am. No getting eaten by an arthropod today. I like the, the talk about what is the difference between a phaser and a phaser rifle. And uh, it reminded me that you have all the parts of a 3D printed phaser rifle at your place. We got to put that thing together, man. I know. That's a Twitch stream. You keep reminding me. And then everyone on the Twitch chat keeps reminding me. It's just in a box next to my desk. Bring it over here, maybe? We do it together? We, like, uh, spend a little time putting the thing together? I bring over some adhesives and some model parts, and we just do... We just do, we just build it on the stream? I have plenty of adhesives over here. You just bring the pieces. I thought you were more of a lubricant man. A lubricant man. Tin man. Not an adhesive man. I've got both, man. I've got, yeah. I've got a drawer full of caulk. That's, oh, yeah. That's something that you, you gotta have. You want to have something silicone-based, I think, yeah. for, for putting together the rifle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got the kind that's appropriate for countertop and bathroom use, but then I've also got the kind that's for baseboard use. Fine. I'll, I'll bring the parts over, and we'll build it on our every once in a while Twitch at <laughs> twitch.tv slash greatest trick. <laughs> that's where I'll build it. That's the only way it's going to get done. That's the only way it's going to get done. We got to put it on the schedule, yeah. man. And I've th- proven th- I can't do it on my own. But then you'll have a phaser rifle. Yeah, I'll be polishing that thing all the time. Yeah. You won't, you won't uh, be able to use it on any centipedes, which is unfortunate. 
Meanwhile, on the Cerritos, uh, we've we've met up with the USS LARP, <laughs> and Billups is in engineering briefing his team on what to expect. Like, yeah. this seems to be a, a culture clash in the making. It's, it's this fantasy world where anything is possible. One minute you could be sparring with an elf, and the next you could be, you could be battling against a troll who wants nothing more than just to steal your gold and leave you penniless. Uh, sorry, what now? That's because Billups is from Hesperia, yeah. And his mother is the queen, yeah. and that also makes him the king in waiting. Right. He he walked away from his royal title, but it can be thrust back upon him at any moment if he ever punches his V card. Yeah, that's the word, isn't it? Yeah. Thrust. So if he fucks, he he automatically becomes king. So he is living a a life of uh, of of abstinence. It made me wonder if uh, this is our first representation of an asexual person in Star Trek. All I know is I do not want to go into the sonic showers after Billups. <laughs> yeah, you hope that somebody that is ranked up as much as him has has a private shower facility, unlike the uh, lower decks, right? I mean, you hear it all the time on the sex advice shows that you never want to use the strongest setting in the sonic shower on yourself. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, you just can't feel it when you're with a partner. Yeah. Partner is never going to be able to swing that hard, you know? <laughs> a partner is no substitute for a sonic shower. No. So, yeah, he, he his mom is constantly trying to trick him into getting up in someone's guts and it, it's well known among the engineering staff that uh, that this is an issue and and this is the scene where rutherford kind of explains what what the, uh, this planet is it's a planet that had things that look like real dragons so humans from earth went there to build a planetary scale medieval times restaurant I love the A to B logic of this like if you have an interest on earth and you hear about a planet that yeah is compatible with that interest in any way <laughs> it's great it made me think a lot about like what it's like to live inside the federation like mm -hmm. oh like we colonized this planet as humans that wanted to have our own distinct form of government mm -hmm. it seems like they're still federation citizens because they can appeal to starfleet for right you know like like stop everything you're doing and help us fix our ship is kind of like a big ask unless they're part of the federation so i'm guessing that they are but they have a monarchy on this planet yeah a fuck-based monarchy <laughs> i mean they're all fuck-based aren't they i guess they are yeah that's kind of that's kind of it's a kind redundant, of redundant term <laughs> <laughs> enter the queen who calls him by his hysperian name andrikio yeah and uh, and the queen comes right out and says it. I'm not trying to trick you into fucking anyone. What we need you for is fixing our ship's engines. There's no tricks, no smoke. I just, uh, our, our ship is busted and we need your help. This is our one line of defense for our planet. It's not fuck or treat, right? <laughs> it's time to prove to my mother that I'm more than a royal stud. Uh, so Rutherford is going to have to go over there and help him, but Rutherford is very nervous, and he shows like a schematic of this to Tendi later in the uh, in the bunk bed area, and this is not his type of engine. Tendi is way, way in the background for most of this episode, and this moment is kind of emblematic of her sort of support role throughout this episode's story. Yeah, and it's interesting how 
Rutherford's issue with the mission is less about his ability and more about the social anxiety of integrating with this different culture. You know, if he's going to LARP, this this isn't the way he's going to do it. He, he builds spaceship models. You never want to show up for the LARP with, like, the cardboard sword that's wrapped in duct tape. It can't harm anyone. No worries, my liege. Right. And you're wearing, like, the bathrobe as a kingly robe costume. Like, I think he's just afraid of not looking the part. He doesn't say it, but how could you not? By the time we get over to that ship, it's easy to see him sticking out. I was kind of shocked that I've only been to Ren Fairs a couple of times in my life, but I know that people that go to Ren Fairs like to dress up, and mm -hmm. it is a trope that people will dress up as a Star Trek away team that is like tra traveling back in time to the Ren Fair or whatever. I and did not know this. Really? Yeah, people do this. This is a thing. <laughs> I have no and idea. And I was like, I was like, this is like, I know where this episode is headed. It's going to be doing bits about like Rutherford and and uh, Billups over there as the as the Star Trek away team in a medieval environment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mine mine didn't go there because I was completely unaware of this idea. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Every time I see a thing about medieval times or a Ren Faire, I'm like, that seems fun. I want to try that. I haven't been since I was like, a, I think I was in high school the last time I went to a Renaissance fair, and I've never been to a medieval times. Oh, yeah. Like, before you said how old you were, I was going to guess high school or older, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would have guessed a couple weeks ago. I would have guessed that's where you caught COVID. <laughs> you were sharing some turkey leg with a, with a wench. Everybody knows it. it doesn't come from, from surface contact. It's yeah, airborne. You can't catch COVID from a turkey leg. <laughs> so uh, in the in the other bunk bed, Adam, the, the shuttlecraft on the way to Okinawa, something absolutely devastating to an Adam Pranica happens, which is a space anomaly prevents them from getting to that ramen as fast as possible. You really know me. Uh, yeah, I, I was devastated that we weren't going to be able to experience the ramen during this episode because they they hit this shredded piece of tire in the space road and uh, they end up ditching in a nearby planet and this planet is covered with other crashed ships. Yeah, they don't feel super bad about this uh, about this crash because it's it's claimed a lot of starships, but uh, yeah, but they are marooned on this planet. The Replicator only produces black licorice. No water? Which is something that would have been a big problem for me just a few months ago, but I've recently developed a taste for black licorice. That's because you lost your sense of smell. That, that's the <laughs> only reason you like black licorice now. That's what it takes. Mm, I had a, a, a package of jelly beans recently. And I, I was working my way through them, and the black licorice always winds up being like one of the last few. And I was like, "All right, I'm just going to get through it, so I can get. I don't want to end on black licorice. I don't want to. I don't want to leave these jelly beans with a bad taste in my mouth." And I hit the black licorice, and I was like, "This is fucking good. I'm into black licorice flavor now." You know what's more likely is that you thought you were eating black licorice, and it was just a black jelly bean that tastes like red licorice. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, Scandinavians, send your candy in. Wow. I am now open to it. I sure hope you enjoy getting pound after pound of black licorice <laughs> while we're on tour from the Friends of DeSoto, because that's what you've just wrought. <laughs> <laughs> You're sewing right now. 
Ben, yeah. uh, you're gonna reap and reap hardcore. It's gonna it's gonna rule because I'm gonna be enjoying the blank licorice, and you're gonna you're just gonna be sitting there with no candy. I would rather eat no candy than black licorice, and wow. I think I don't think that's an unpopular opinion at all. Wow, I guess uh, you know you're you're the older of the two of us, but uh, one of us has just a more mature palate at this point. <laughs> There are a lot of things about you that is more mature than me. <laughs> so uh, we spent a little time over on the Hyperion ship. Uh, there are some some scantily clad people, some uh, some guards. A lot of a lot of the Hyperions want to put it on Billups, and uh, you know he's, he kind of like warns Rutherford, like this is going to be a bit of a thing. I wondered if Billups, like like legally in the Federation if his name really is Andy Billups or if he like took that name to like blend in more I mean he's clearly someone who feels a great sense of discomfort about where he comes from like it's been a little bit of a secret throughout our time with him and it's something that is not a big part of his character even now like like being over there working on the ship with Rutherford he's like a little bit embarrassed about how they rename all of the systems in in LARP <laughs> and uh, it becomes clear that like the attention of the Queen's court may be a problem yeah. going forward. It really seems dangerous. Um, I really like seeing all the like design of like their equipment, how it looks all like all like oldie timey <laughs> despite yeah. being EPS conduits and plasma manifolds you know. <laughs> It looks very, like, hand-hewn and stuff. Uh, the uh, elf matrix seems like Don't it. do that. Sorry. It looks like a Disneyland ride. Totally. So they spend a lot of time on mechanics creepers under the dragon-shaped warp core of the Monavine starship. And uh, we cut back to this fucked-up desert planet where Boims and Mariner... Uh, have to sacrifice all of their uh, all of their food rations to a marauding beast that is impervious to phaser fire. Yeah, they're like space wolves. Space wolves. Yeah, they're the sort of uh, wolf type creature you find around junkyards. Like it seems very appropriate that they're in kind <laughs> yeah. of a planetary junkyard and there are these wolves running around. Totally. It, uh, this. Started to feel a little bit like that movie um, Pitch Black, that Vin Diesel movie. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, where I was like, oh man, like maybe they like can't leave the the shuttle also, and and so the, this starts to set up this thing where Agamus is like, hey, like I can I can get your replicator working, I can get you some nice water going. It won't just be licorice. I could also get the the comms back online. Like you plug me into your computer, and and you're gonna be out of here in no time. But they can't trust Agamus. This is classic conflict escalation, right? Because in the beginning, it's just that Agamus is annoying and trying to manipulate. But when you increase the stakes into now you need him yeah. and you're resisting the temptation to need him, right? that's good storytelling. And, and he also is beginning to kind of find wedges to drive between Mariner and Boimler, which is an established Agamus modus operandi. Lord Agamus's wedges look like tentacles. Another piece of dramatic tension that they maybe meant to introduce here was that Agamus gets one of those tentacles into Mariner's iPad. Sorry, just stretching. The question of like how bad is it that he got into her iPad 
was on my mind until I remembered that in this uh, version of Star Trek, every iPad does a very different and narrow function. Like mm-hmm. if you if you have a bunch of research to do, you have a stack of iPads with like different shit on each one. They are not linked into the network, you know. Right. So this is this seems to be like it got Mariner's like personal logs and nothing else. We elliptically cut to later, and the marooning does not go well, Ben, because uh, from the looks of the dark circles under their eyes, they've been suffering over this amount of time. They're really getting desperate for food and water, and so they decide to bundle up the computer into a kind of papoose and start foraging. I thought it was funny that that was Mariner's uniform, like, Voimler goes over and, like, starts ripping it up without Yeah. <laughs> She's in her, like, pizza oven killing tank top and it's a good look yeah what happened to the to the phaser impervious wolves of before i guess they're not a problem (laughs) i don't know how they just forgot about that as an issue yeah what they do find are are some tree fruits yeah ben and they just they're so desperate uh they decide to consume them because they're filled with a kind of water that tastes like your favorite jelly bean yeah and they just sort of like dry heave their way through taking it to the dome. Sounds refreshing and delicious. Are you f***ing kidding me? Well, I don't see a better option. Whenever Boimler brings up the Titan, uh, it is it is like a, a kid who just got back from Spain referring to their their semester in Barcelona to, uh-huh. <laughs> to Mariner's ears. She's, yeah. she's going absolutely nuts. And they are really starting to, to kind of go at each other. They... They wind up burying Agamus, like Data's head, but it doesn't stay buried long. Some crabs dig it up. Mariner's asleep, and Boimler barely rescues Agamus from these crabs, and Agamus shows Boimler the smoking gun, the the, uh, the footage of Mariner asking Commander Ransom to, to put Boimler on Okinawa duty. It's pretty damaging footage. And we see it replayed over and over again. We see, we see Ransom reassign Boimler uh, by by hitting that button back and to the left. Back and to the left. Really driving the point home. Back and to the left. At what yeah. a tragedy it was. Back and to the left. Yeah. What a gruesome tragedy, really. He's fucking pissed, and yeah, he goes over and like pulls the blanket off of her. He he wakes her up to yell at her, which is, uh, oh man, if I got woken up to get yelled at, I would be fucking furious. It's clearly trying to get us to fight. You know that, right? A lot is made about not going to bed angry. Few people ever mention waking up angry Yeah. and why you should never do it. That's probably because it's obvious. Yeah. The wedge issue for, for Boimler is always whether he's seasoned enough. It's a horrible thing to say to a man. His being so much more green than Mariner and, you know, like, she's got a huge head start. He's always going to be more green than her. And mm-hmm. it's always going to be something that he is self-conscious about, it seems like. They've been friends a long time. They know each other's buttons. Yeah. So Mariner's pissed. She uh, she grabs the computer Bjorn and storms off. And uh seems like they're going their separate ways, like 3PO and R2-D2 on the desert planet. <laughs> Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. 
This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up, the episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Back on the USS LARP, uh, Rutherford is working next to Billups, who is working his ass off. And they find the problem with the ship. And conveniently, the queen is there to witness this moment and there's that there's like good job transference between the queen and billups and then billups to rutherford everyone's feeling great in this moment and 
everyone's feeling great after the fact when Billups shows up on the Cerritos again and sort of gives Captain Freeman the download. Yeah. Captain Freeman's like, yeah, I gave you that bad date rescue call <laughs> in case you were out there suffering. And Billups is like, no, actually, things went fine. And I, I fixed the problem. I didn't fuck anyone. I'll, as far as I'm concerned, it was a, a successful mission. Yeah, Captain, dick stayed dry. No biggie. <laughs> Billups is like, it's just weird, like, why we're locked into the wide shot here. Yeah. I'm just wondering if that's going to be uh, anything meaningful. And right at that exact moment, uh, there's a banger <laughs> that pops off on the USS LARP in the background. It's it's bad. The Queen is dead, and yeah. uh, Rutherford is dead, too. Yeah, Dr. Katz. Her name is Dr. Tana. Shows up in... Six Bay and uh, passes an iPad about this to Tendi. It actually just it actually says that Rutherford is a casualty, which we know is not definitive as to whether he's dead or not. This was so confusing <laughs> to me again. Like, what does it mean? We know from our time watching Star Trek Voyager on the hit Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation. Yeah, the word casualty has Miriam definition. <laughs> <laughs> they find a uh, an old uh, wreck of a ship that has viable engines on uh, on the crash landing planet, and uh, there's a shot at the in in this uh, in this when they when uh, when we cut back to the planet where Mariner and Rutherford each slide down the hill kind of on their butts, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's driving me nuts because I know that that's a reference to a, a scene in a movie or a TV show, and I cannot put my finger on what it is. I'm sure that the Friends of DeSoto will tell me. Oh, no. Do you hear that rumble in the distance? (laughs) Those are uh, 10,000 keyboards crying out to well actually use this reference. I'm asking for it this time, though. (laughs) Like I well, know you're gonna get it. I know that like the tone every time somebody corrects us or tells us something that we didn't get on social media is why are you guys doing this and not me? And I don't know the answer. No one has the answer to that. Yeah. Do you think we don't want the answer to that? It doesn't make sense to us either. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna that... keep doing this until it becomes very clear that that we can't anymore. Right. And then it'll be someone else's problem. Right. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. But the the rage boils over. Mariner wants to get as far away from the ship as possible. Uh, Boimler wants to go uh, do it. And this turns into a fight. I was shocked that it's off screen. It's outside of the frame of the camera. But it is implied that Boimler punches Mariner in the face. Yeah. I don't think that that is something that I can really get behind as a thing that this show is willing to do. Even after it's revealed later, like what Boimler's long game is. Right. But I think that the, like a dude punching a lady in the face thing, like is the thing that you're going to make it a gendered thing. I am Starfleet officers. It's two Starfleet officers. I just, I think it's bad. I don't think they should have done it, but it does kind of raise the question of when Boimler decides like when the con begins officially, because I could see it having begun in the scene where Agamus shows him mm-hmm. the, you know, projects the video of Mariner mm-hmm. as having been like the, the moment where he, he realizes how he can play Agamus. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is all part of it. So I think the show could have 
gotten them fighting without them beating each other up, and it have it could have been just as effective. I don't know. I don't want to get up on a soapbox, but it just it 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 seems like a thing that they that I think movies and TV shows do well to avoid, and I was a little surprised that they included it in this. In a strange way, it's almost less traumatic if you were to just stun her with the phaser right. versus actually putting hands on her. I think part of the confidence in doing a scene like this from the show's perspective is that it's a cartoon, and cartoon violence, right or wrong, it's not as offensive. I, th- I think that they're they're counting on that and counting on that it is a con. I wondered if they considered having Mariner say like a I wondered why you why you pulled your punch or something later mm-hmm. you know later when that's revealed or something like that but um yeah I don't know you had no choice she lacks your vision now quick to the ship it's a real inflection point to the episode because with Mariner down Boyms takes Agamus to the ship yeah this this episode felt really grim at this point because like we cut from this to like Billups tendering his resignation by putting his com badge on the desk. It's like fuck, Rutherford is dead. Mariner and Boimler are like not friends anymore. In fact, hate each other. Like this this episode really surprisingly dark at this point. I mean, dark in a way. The the suggestion is that Billups is going to have his royal pipes cleaned. <laughs> by the queen's court who are revealed to be the queen's courtesans yeah the kinds of ropes that guy is about to shoot kind of unimaginable i mean you better make sure the inertial dampers are working at 100 (laughs) percent once that guy blasts yeah for sure let me just say i'm glad they're doing it on the cerritos and not on the uh monovine (laughs) you know i thought that was an interesting choice right of in terms of where it was to happen yeah, you resign, but you still have your quarters? For yeah, what's up with in? that? Anyways, Boimler takes Agamus into this ship. Um, it's got a crispy, long-dead captain and an empty bridge otherwise. And uh, Agamus uh, persuades Boimler to uh, plug its battery into the navigational array of this ship. And... Uh, Agamus's battery gets the ship going, and uh, a bunch of little tendrils come out and start wriggling. The happy tendrils scene <laughs> made me think of Independence Day, like the first time we see oh, yeah. the alien rise f- from that chamber and kill Data. Yeah, Agamus cosplay at a Star Trek convention where you 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 go as Boimler or Mariner with. With the computer mm-hmm. Bjorn with Agamus. If you can yeah. actually build an Agamus that can get the little wriggling wires to come out of it. Yeah, that'll that's a, be solid. That's an A-plus cosplay right there. Yeah, maybe Agamus is a mini-fridge, and maybe... You can put six packs of soda in here? For Ben and Adam, if you should yeah. happen to come across them and see them hoofless. Elsewhere on the ship, Tendy can't get over Rutherford's death to the extent that she asks the computer where his implant is as a sort of beginning to a recovery effort. Yeah. I can get with this. Like, if there's any piece of him left behind, maybe you want to turn that into a, a tasteful desk ornament or, a, I don't know, everyone on the ship seems to have a shelf for their trinkets. Maybe maybe Freeman would have that on yeah. her shelf at some point. <laughs> it does sort of seem like there should have been a recovery effort before Tendi thought to do it. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and I almost wonder if because Tendi's specialty is medicine, if it wasn't going to be her job anyway Yeah. to do that sort of thing. But nothing is delegated to her. This seems very self-motivated. So she goes over to where on the monovine Rutherford's implant is uh, is sending its signal from, and she walks in on Rutherford and the Queen and a bunch of courtiers having a, a big feast to celebrate the... Uh, what I mean, Rutherford doesn't know what it's to celebrate, but the Queen announces it's to celebrate the uh, the V-card of, uh, of the prince, of the crown prince getting punched. This moment is so well done because we spike in panic almost right away. I've got to stop Phillips from doing the do! It's a race against time now, and uh, yeah. Rutherford and Tendi can't come because of a dude strumming a guitar, and they really need to get a hold of Billups before he can blast. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so they're, they, off they race to, uh, to try and stop it, and, and the, the queen is taunting them as they go that, uh, that her, her guards are trained from youth to skip foreplay. <laughs> yeah. So I guess they grew up watching movies of the late 90s, early 2000s then. <laughs> yeah, I guess we, That's have, they learned all we their have been trained all their seduction. in that in that <laughs> technique as well. Um, I reject those materials. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're well known for rejecting movies of the late 80s and early 90s. <laughs> in Billups' quarters, again, a very interesting choice of place. He's getting ready to get down with these two royal guards, but he can't get his dilithium injector online. Yeah. And this is a this is a good bit of delay. It's a delay that allows Rutherford to barge in and yeah. tell him the good news. And it's not that other good news that is just like useless right. in a moment like this. It's yeah. actual practical good news that you can use. I mean, I think that Billups's lack of experience really played into Rutherford's hands here because if you're having a tough time getting it up, going and looking at yourself in the mirror is not going to be the fastest path to solving that problem. No. <laughs> Look, we've seen it in Miriam television shows and movies. The moment of truth where our main character looks at themselves in the mirror is not a moment of triumph. <laughs> No. It is always a version of we got to get it up. And it could be metaphorical or or literal, but yeah. it always seems to go like that. Yeah. Ben Billups is wearing a towel that's now for sale in the Star Trek store. And in the copy for the item, they never mention that it's been wrapped around Billups's junk. I think you got to mention that. We've seen this towel before though, right? Like we saw a guy go by in a towel yeah. in the in the Sonic shower scene for sure. I love that Star Trek is selling textiles like this, but it continues to irritate how they're they're unwilling to make any latinum off of the great idea that you had for the the car sunshade. I know. I got a follow up. Maybe maybe if I send a follow up email, I'll finally get that guy's attention. You know what? I'll bring the parts of the phaser rifle over if you follow up on the car shade. Okay, that's a deal. Maybe for once we'll inspire each other. <laughs> in the bridge of the crashed ship where uh, Agamus has been plugged in, Agamus reveals his final form, which is a slightly spikier version of his earlier self and uh, imagines itself... Uh, perched atop a mountain of skulls while Echo's <laughs> Papa 607 
come down out of the skies. Agamus is convinced that it will be able to convert all of the material on this ship into these uh, killer drones, and that it will take over this planet and eventually this sector. Agamus is back, baby. I mean, this moment would be great regardless, but hearing this frequency in Jeffrey Combs's voice is just a delight every time. Yeah, and it's a scene that follows Lower Decks math, right? When you think you've when you think you've got the cool thing, that always gets taken away from you, and uh, the same is is true for Agamus. Right, because Boimler kicks Agamus in the junk. Yeah, Agamus barfs up rainbows and. It's revealed that he's been boimed. He got plugged into the uh, into the rheostat for the ship, not the navigation array, and uh, they uh, powered up a a distress signal even. So uh, Mariner and Boimler are going to take Agamus back to Okinawa after all. They're going to get their ramen. Finally, but I'm not going to get my ramen scene. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that myself. Yeah, Andy Billups tells off his mom back in the. Uh, engine room on the Cerritos. It's weird, like, uh, how threatening the idea of a sex-positive mom is <laughs> on this show. But Billups tells his mom he'll never fuck. He's a cell, mm-hmm. and he wants it to be voluntary. Yeah. <laughs> a vol cell? <laughs> yeah, the only thing he wants to be involved in pumping is the warp core. <laughs> Some men seek sex and some men have sex thrust upon them and some would like to avoid it entirely and that's Andy Phillips. Yeah. So Rutherford and Tendy happy to be reunited. Uh, everybody else in the uh, in engineering eating cake but they don't because they've got good taste. I love a celebration cake in an office though. That's mm, It's such yeah. a great moment. Such a classic. Yeah. You have to pass it out because nobody's coming and getting it, you know. Stay away from those corner pieces, though. I don't want all that frosting. Give me yeah. a middle. Because it, it puts the ratio out of whack, right? Here's the thing about cake that I just realized. A cake is kind of an anti-brownie. Because you want the edges in a brownie, but you want the middle in a cake, don't you? Oh, I was going to say it's an it's an anti-lasagna. But, uh, oh, yeah. Anti-brownies. Same, same. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, they... Check Agamus into the self-aware megalomaniacal computer storage facility at the Daystrom Institute, and uh, the button on the episode is all of these. Uh, they look like gaming PCs, frankly, just talking shit at each other from inside this storage facility. Did you like that one of the computers had a CBS logo on on the front of it? <laughs> I did not notice that. No doubt being the home of the CBS All Access app, <laughs> which we know to be pure evil from experience. Yeah, and uh, and and now the and now the Paramount Plus app. It's 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 scary to think that it might also be megalomaniacal. I mean, if its only goal is to frustrate its users, that's a pretty tame <laughs> megalomania. Yeah, but uh, but it still checks out. I think kind of me- megalomania I can get behind. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. That's that's very Simpsons like taking a shot at your at your home network like that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And you don't see it unless you're really looking for it, which obviously I was. But did you love this episode, Adam? I liked it a whole lot. The Jeffrey Combs aspect of it. I wonder if when you're mapping out the entire season, 
though. If you know Jeffrey Combs is such an asset that you plug him into an episode where the story isn't so amazing that that it wouldn't overshadow him. Right. Like like you plug in a Jeffrey Combs into a baseline episode and you bring it up to up into the great territory. And I'm not saying that this episode is great, but I mean Jeffrey Combs certainly does make it better and more fun. Yeah. And I guess in saying that I'm saying he's the reason I like the episode. There were some there were a lot of funny parts to it and uh, I like learning more about an ancillary character like Billups. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Maybe not, maybe not my favorite episode of the season, but memorable for for the Combs aspect. What about you? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I I think um, it's uh, it's a funny episode. I think it does a really good job of feeling like it has really high stakes, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily. Uh, easy in this show you know like the ship has been nearly destroyed several times and that doesn't always feel super devastating but like that that middle beat of the episode where Boims and Mariner are really at each other's throats and it seems Mm -hmm. like Rutherford may be dead um they they work you know they feel they feel like a big deal and um I think that's in the performances and in the writing. And yeah, I think that that this is an episode that would be an easy thumbs up for me if if not for that scene where Poindler punches Mariner. Like that's the that's the one thing that just really sticks in my craw about it. One thing about this episode that I think makes it a a massive outlier may be the answer to this question, Ben. Is this the sexiest episode of Star Trek we've ever gotten? Wow. I mean, I think it might be because of the stakes for a main character, and I mean, was, uh, Star Trek usually kind of uh, winks at you with its sexuality, <laughs> and and here, I mean, it was right there under a towel. It sure was, yeah. The uh, and, and and the sex jokes were very explicit relative to, yeah, uh, relative to a justice or whatever. Yeah, that's a pretty intense way to lose your virginity to two people at the same time. <laughs> two people who are clearly like sexual tyrannosaurs, like <laughs> they are going to turn him out. Yeah. Uh, well, Adam, do you want to see if we have anything in the P1 inbox? Oh yeah, I'm just going to uh, unwrap the towel from the P1s mm. and uh, and see what's below. Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from past you, and it is to for myself. <laughs> I know grammatically that <laughs> that's kind of a mouthful. Hey, we just read what what's says. in the boxes, all right? <laughs> hey, I'm just reading the teleprompter, okay? Yeah. Message goes like this. Hey there, self. It has been one full year since you got promoted from Ensign to Lieutenant J.G., Great job on getting the new pip. Instead of wetting down, let's blow our first promotion check on the pod that got us into NOAA Corps. Wow. Thanks, Ben and Adam, for helping me go from dreaming of starships to driving ships. I owe you both a drink. Cool. And this message is, and past you is a crew person for the NOAA. Yeah. I think Past You has sent us, like, challenge coins and t-shirts before, unless this yeah. is a different NOAA I, person. 
Um, Either one is cool. Like if we have multiple NOAA crew people, that's that's kind of a neat trend we've got. But if it's the same person, thanks for staying in touch and congratulations yeah. on your promotion. I love my NOAA t-shirts. And when I wear uh, one of those, like reliably somebody will ask me about it like oh do you serve in the NOAA or do you like have family in it or something and you get challenged and then you give them the challenge yeah, coin yeah I whip that coin out yeah yeah at the that's stolen store. NOAA valor right there <laughs> hey I got the coin fair and square alright yeah yeah so it's not stolen valor anyways <laughs> Uh, we got another P1 here, Adam. It's from the greatest friends of DC Oto, a.k.a. Sam, Ben, T, Adam, and Brad, and Ben. Hey, we know this crew. These are our pals in DC. Yeah, and it's for Rexy. It goes like this. Rexy, one of the best friends of DeSoto. And I know you can't wait to embarrass Ben T again at the next greatest Gen Con. Please do a Kevin this old house for Rexy. Sorry in advance, Ben H and Adam P. Oh, jeez. I'm glad you apologized for pimping. <laughs> You're guilty of pimping, you guys. Kevin this old house is like a... I, like, I don't know if we've ever done that as a combo before. On this episode of This Old House, we're on Delta Rana 4. <laughs> where we've got a homeowner with a very interesting situation. His front yard is full of traps. <laughs> now this house may appear to have been erected in the late 80s or early 90s, an era that Adam is very fond of for its uh, cinematic output. But uh, would it surprise you to learn that it was actually built in the 2400s? How do you satisfy a homeowner who is also an all-powerful being? It's the classic Starship Captain's Lament. Find out next on this season of This Old House. <laughs> well, thanks to our crew in D.C. and uh, also from our pals in the NOAA for those Priority One messages. Priority One messages support the production of The Greatest Discovery, and we thank you for going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to do them. And, uh, boy, we've got nothing but a runway of new Star Trek episodes ahead. Yeah. Get in on it. MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Pick a date. It's probably available. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself and Edward Larkin? I guess I'm going to give it to Agamus because uh, Agamus is, uh, is the chaos agent in this episode. Totally yeah. gets owned and uh, just just made me laugh a ton all the way through. And I mean, like, a uh, pretty nice feather in Jeffrey Combs' cap that they keep making new Star Treks and he keeps being in them, you know? In a weird way, I think you and I kind of know what that's like. As long as they keep making Star Trek, <laughs> uh, we have we have gainful employment as long as they continue to do so. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Jeffrey Combs would be a great pick for me, but I am going to choose the Mistral player who strums his instrument so fast that he blocks Rutherford's comm channel. That is just a great bit of fantasy there. (laughs) I like everything about that moment. It goes by in a flash, uh, but it was a great little detail that made me laugh. So so that that Mistral player is my Edward Larkin. Well... I'm going to pull up the next episode, which is season two, episode eight, I Excretus. 
The description is a consultant arrives on the OSS Cerritos to dr- to run drills Ooh. that require the lower decks and bridge crew to swap duties. I mean, it sounds like a fun episode prompt, but in the in the ongoing corporate life allegory of this show, <laughs> of course, a consultant is going to be the enemy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. Uh, I am as well. Looking forward to that. Uh, you know what I'm not looking forward to, Adam, is some fucking credits at the end of this fucking episode. I was just going to say, uh, the credits for this episode may be the best credits we've ever had. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but I'm probably not even going to listen, to be honest. Yeah, you you turn off the episode for QA long before we ever get this far. So, yeah. 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 Thanks for all your hard work, Ben. Yeah, thank you, Adam. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. I just got back from Wisconsin, a trip where I ate a bratwurst every day. My trip wasn't all drinking spotted cow and drinking spotted cow, though. I was out there recording and editing, and you know what makes it all worth it? The support from our viewers. Big or small, that support really matters. And you can be a part of it by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. Thanks to Adam Ragusia, who made the theme and interstitial music for The Greatest Discovery. If you're on social media, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Greatest Trek. And use the hashtag GreatestGen when you post about the show. You might even run into Bill Tilly, our social media director. Those social media accounts, along with the Discord at DrunkShmoda.com, the Reddit page, r slash GreatestGen, And the many Facebook groups and pages are all a regular source of fun and a reliable source of goodness in the hellhole that is most social media. All right, that's it. I'm going to bed. See you next Tuesday for another episode of The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.